This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Johanna Fossbender, the author of the Pre-Diabetes Cookbook, Eating for Pre-Diabetes, Eat Your Way Back to Health. Were you recently diagnosed with pre-diabetes? This diagnosis can be scary, but I encourage you to turn this fear into resolve by taking some action steps towards a healthier lifestyle. The great news is that a 2014 study by the National Institutes of Health concluded that prediabetes can in fact be reversed naturally through natural food choices, saying no to sugar and simple carbs, and incorporating some exercise. So take control of your prediabetes instead of letting it control you. Making small changes, such as planning your meals, eating a diet with no or very little sugar, as well as low in simple carbs, can have a huge impact on your life. Use Johanna's cookbook as a guide for taking some concrete action steps. Johanna Fossbender is a national board-certified health and wellness coach, yoga, and fitness instructor. She is the owner of Love Your Health, LLC, and her mission is to help pre-diabetic women lower their A1C levels by empowering them to make healthy choices for themselves. She wrote the book, The Pre-Diabetes Cookbook, specifically to show that you can enjoy food without starving yourself or obsessing over calories. Being a strong believer in finding balance and listening to your body, Johanna's goal is to help women take back control over their health and their lives. Johanna grew up in Germany on a small farm. Her mom grew a variety of veggies in her garden and small greenhouse, which is something Johanna has only come to fully appreciate as an adult. Meet Johanna at loveyourhealth.us. Here is the interview with Johanna Fassbender. In your own words, who is Johanna Fassbender? <laughs> I know that's a great question um, because I think, yeah, you you don't usually ask yourself that. But um, well, I I am, you know, uh, I would still say a young woman from Germany originally. Um, now living in the U.S., I I fell in love here, um, and that's how I ended up staying here. Um, and I'm, you know, really passionate about health and well-being. And um, that's something that I've really, I think also, or that's based on my own experiences also, you know, um, and, and that discovery process isn't done yet. You know, I'm still learning all the time. And, you know, one of my recent 
fairly recent discoveries was actually, you know, how much stress impacts health also. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, as I said, I'm passionate about health and that really includes, you know, food, which I think is what we'll talk about today, but also movement and meditation and just loving yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all those things play a role, um, and, um, yeah, you know, on a, on a personal note, I'm, I'm married to, to a wonderful husband and we have lived in, in California. I've lived in Utah. Um, right now we live in central Mississippi, so something completely different. Um, so I think I'm a little adventurous also, you know, I, um, like exploring and, and moving around in different places. And I think those experiences also have shaped me and I've just learned so much from them. So, and I guess final note, I'm also a lifelong learner, you know, that's really, um, something that I, that I love to do. Yeah. That all sounds wonderful, especially the um, adventurous part (laughs) being open to life. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, the pre-diabetes cookbook, Eating for Pre-Diabetes, Eat Your Way Back to Health. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. So the first one is, what is the meaning of well-being to you, Johanna? I think well-being to me is um, being in, in balance, Um, and that, you know, as I already kind of indicated a little bit, you know, encompasses so many different aspects, you know, um, nourishing the body right from, from the inside out with, with good food, right. Moving the body. Um, but also, you know, your mental well-being, right. Your, your state of mental health, um, in my eyes, we can't, you know, separate the mind from the body, from the soul, you know, I mean, it's, it's all connected. And so, um, when all those different aspects, I think are in balance, then, you know, I think to me, that is a a state of well-being. And you did mention, yeah, these components before. I'm wondering if you combine those two words we hear a lot, well-being and wellness. Some people, they use them with the same meaning. I'm wondering if you also put them together in the same category. No, I think that to me, they are slightly different, you know. Um, I mean, wellness also makes me think of... um, maybe, you know, having the body taken care of by other people, you know, going to a spa or getting a massage. Um, That's kind of my association also with wellness, you know, Um, going for like a a wellness day or so. That's what we call it in Germany, you know. Um, But then the well-being, I think, is more something to me internal, you know, that um, is affected by my own uh, doing to a certain extent. Um, yeah. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Hmm. That's a deep question. (laughs) 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 Um, you know, I mean, I think the purpose of it is, I think, to continuously learn and evolve, you know, um, you know, as I said earlier, like having lived in different places, you know, having grown up in Germany, but then having lived in different places in the U S, um, 
those experiences have shaped me, you know, but they also continue to open my eyes. Um, and so I have to, based on that, on those experiences and on those new discoveries also have to, um, I think adjust my behavior and my, my thinking, you know, so to me, I think that is to continuously evolve and, and really become a, a better person, mm-hmm. you know, whether that is towards myself or towards other people. What do you love most about being a woman? Hmm. That's a great question. That's another great question. Um, you know, I mean, I think what I love about it is how we kind of seem to be going through different transitions, right? At different parts of our lives and maybe more so than, than men do, you know, I mean, even though they go through transitions too, but I feel like for women, it's much more, um, pronounced and, um, and I think that there also comes, um, at least to me, a certain, you know, um, power maybe with that, you know, that you can feel empowered by that. Um, I know that a lot of women, you know, kind of see getting older as something, you know, scary or, um, you know, they feel like their bodies are breaking down. But I, I think if we can look at it as our bodies are changing, you know, and Mm -hmm. with each change, um, you know, there's, there's good and bad, right? I mean, it's always, yeah, something new. And, and, you know, I'm not saying I have that all figured out. I mean, I have my, my own struggles with that as well. Um, but I think it, there's a sense of power in that as well. Yeah. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I think to me, to be free is, you know, to, to be able to be true to yourself, um, to not, you know, feel, um, um, what am I trying to say? To not feel constricted or, you know, feel like you have to act a certain way around certain people or, you know, in certain situations, but to be able to truly be yourself and, And, you know, and that's also hard, I think, to even know who you are and and be comfortable with that. You know, I think that's also something and maybe some people are, you know, naturally they know how to do that. But um, I think for me, that's also something that I had to learn over the years. And I'm wondering what it means exactly. I always ask the question, what does it mean to be authentic and how do we know when we are being authentic? I think, you know, being authentic, yeah, means, you know, be, being true to yourself, right? And yeah. and letting the re- real you out, right? And being yeah. comfortable also with that. Yeah. Um, maybe also in situations where maybe, you know, people think differently or people, you know, act differently around you. I mean, so as I said, that's, that's not always easy. Um, and, um, and I think, I mean, I think we know it when, when it feels right, you know, I, I think when we pretend to be a certain way, um, that's not true to who we really are, or is totally opposed to who we are, then I think in the long run that, that will cause us 
problems, you know, whether that's, you know, anxiety or depression, um, unhappiness, you know, so yeah, I mean, it has to do with that state of well-being also being in balance. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Mm. Yeah, that's another great question, especially, you know, with everything that's going on right now. Um, I think that we also need to find balance in the world. You know, I, I feel like things have become so extreme and, um, and opinions might be extreme, right? And, and I think we're also at a point where we get really upset if somebody else has a different opinion from us. And, and I think that ultimately is taking us further and further apart from each other. So I think, you know, we have to be okay with people having a different opinion or having a different approach and still being civil with each other and coming together, you know, yeah. um, finding that ground in the middle, right? That when things are balanced, you know? What are the main components to live a balanced life or to have this balanced state of mind? Yeah, I mean, to... To me personally, you know, if I think of the different parts of well-being, right, I think, you know, let's say as far as food goes, right, yeah. I, I like to eat healthy, right, but I also want to enjoy myself, right. you know, here or there. So finding a good balance between, you know, nourishing my body, but also, you know, every once in a while, nourishing your soul and having some ice cream, you know, right, right. Um, because I think that's also in the long term good. And um, and if I think of my body, right, like, for example, in terms of physical movement, um, I, you know, what leads for to balance for me is, you know, challenging my body every once in a while, right, whether that is doing something like hit training or, you know, sprinting here or there. But also I know that for me to be in balance, I also need to do some yoga um, or maybe some light stretching, you know, just to balance things out truly, right? To to give the, the body, the muscles, the connective tissue, um, different types of modalities, different types of movement. And, um, and so, and, you know, for my mental well-being, I've, you know, really come to learn also how important it is for me to meditate or to have some qu quiet time, you know, mm -hmm. um, because there was a time, you know, when we still lived in California and I was eating healthy, I was exercising, but I was under so much stress that it really negatively impacted my body, my mind and my life. And so I've really come to realize how important it is to also, you know, take care of my, my mental well-being. Um, so, you know, when, and I noticed that when I have all those things in balance, you know, that then I'm thriving, I'm, mm. I'm doing well. Yeah. And the feeling might be, would you say, peace and joy, satisfaction? 
Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Just, you know, feeling good, feeling joy, right? Every morning being, you know, excited to start the day, you know? Um, Yeah, I think joy is the right word, right? Really finding joy also in in the simple things, you know, and which I think right now is just so important, you know? Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what it leads to. Exactly. You, You just feel right you just feel good what is love johanna to you (laughs) you know i mean love can just come in so many different forms right love with my husband or love for my nieces or my sisters um but i think it's to me it's something that you feel also you know just something that makes me smile, makes almost my heart open up, you know, Um, and even, you know, brings, can bring tears to my eyes, even now, just thinking about that, you know, I mean, it's very much, I think, for me, a a feeling, um, more so than me being able to put that into words, you know, Um, yeah. Yeah, not being able to describe with words what love is, but feeling it, right? That's beautiful. What, where, and who is God to you? You know, to me, um, God is, you know, an almighty power, right? And and I think no matter who you are, what what you believe, right, whether you call him God or Allah or, you know, Buddha, you know, whatever, I think it is a, there is a, a power out there. But to me, the, uh, what I'm striving for is to connect to that power on a, on a personal level. And, um, and I believe that we have that ability inside of us, you know, and that, so I think God is or can be wherever we are. Mm. Um, and you know, I think our world is very noisy and, um, there are a lot of distractions. And so I think we sometimes, you know, that connection, um, becomes shrouded a little bit. And that's also what I love so much about meditation or quieting down is that I feel like I can attempt to, you know, make that connection, you know? Yeah. How did you become a writer, Johanna? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes. Um, You know, I I mean, that's an interesting question, right? Because I don't necessarily think of myself as a writer, right? But now that you ask me that, I've... I've always, I mean, even in school, already in elementary school, that was something that came fairly easily to me, you know, um, it's something I enjoyed and something I was good at. Um, and also, you know, languages have always been, that's been something that's come easily to me, you know, learning different languages. So, um, that is just something that I enjoy. And, um, you know, with me writing the, the pre-diabetes book, I mean, that was really something that I just felt like I could reach, help more people that way, you know, reach more people. Um, because I truly believe that, yeah, it is 
at the end of the day, it is fairly simple, you know, and, and we have a tendency to make it complicated, but it can be very simple. And, um, that's really what compelled me to, yeah, to write this book. Before I ask you specific questions about the pre-diabetes and how to, if it is reversible and all the other questions I have here, why did you choose to become a health and wellness coach? Yeah, you know, I, my, you know, first career actually was in, in kind of arts and cultures, um, history. I, I worked in museums for about 10 years and, um, and, you know, during that time I, I had a, a good friend, she, she was a coworker and, um, you know, her journey kind of inspired me. She was drinking, um, green, green smoothies actually. And she brought them to work and, I was just like, wow, the color is so vibrant, you know, I wonder what this tastes like. And she let me try a little bit and it, it wasn't bad. And so she gave me the recipe and, um, I made it at home and, um, I had my husband try it and he was like, wow, let's do this every day. And I, I was surprised by that. You know, I didn't think he would say that, but he was like, oh my God, this is what we need. And that kind of was the starting point where I just started to pay more attention to what I was putting inside my body. Also what I was putting on the outside of my body, you know, in terms of cosmetics and everything. And I just started reading and, you know, learning more about it. And, um, just be, you know, just became totally fascinated and just really changed a lot of things I was doing, you know, with food and with cosmetics as well. And, um, and at the time we were living in California still, and then, you know, my husband, he works for the federal government. And so he got a job here in Mississippi. And so I said, okay, if we're moving, then I'm going to make a change. You know, the, as much as I loved working in museums, the job was very stressful and, um, I just felt like I didn't want to continue with that. And so, you know, that's when I decided to get into the, the health and wellness field and, um, became a health coach and a personal trainer and eventually also a, a yoga instructor yeah, so that's how, how all that happened. Talk to me about pre-diabetes. What is it and can it be reversed? Yeah, that's it's a great question. And, um, you know, as a health coach, right, I'm I'm basically not supposed to say that it can be reversed. But, you know, I doing some research on the subject, right? There there was a, a study in 2014 that was done by the National Institutes of Health. And they said, yes, it can in fact be reversed by changing the way you eat and by adding in exercise. And um and and I truly believe that as well, right? And I mean there are so many people that have, you know, proof proven that as well. Um, but pre-diabetes, I mean, is, is very prevalent in this country. You know, I think roughly about one in three Americans, um, has pre-diabetes. So it's a, a really, really large number. And, um, the scary thing is that a lot of people don't even know that they have pre-diabetes. Um, and you know, what it is, is that, yeah, those people have slightly elevated 
blood sugar levels. You know, they're not yet diabetic. Um, they don't need medications yet, right? So this this is truly something that can be reversed with um, nutrition and exercise. What are the causes, Johanna, for this kind of diagnosis? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, there are a lot of things that affect our blood sugars, but I, I think probably the number one is um, diet, you know, um, just the the standard American diet is just a, not a healthy diet, you know, and, um, and some of it, you know, I, I think some of the problem is also that people aren't even aware that what they're eating, you know, is detrimental to their bodies and might be elevating their blood sugar levels. Um, you know, if we obviously we're talking about blood sugar and, you know, I think uh, I forgot the exact number, but it is something about around 80% of products in the supermarket have added sugars um, added to them. Yeah. So that, you know, that number is very high. Yeah. And we're often not aware of that. And sugar might hide under different names, you know, so we we really have to empower ourselves with with the right knowledge to, you know, see through what's in a product. True. You mentioned earlier stress. So I'm wondering if stress plays a role in the pre-diabetes diagnosis. Would you say so? I, I think so. You know, stress also um, can elevate blood sugar levels, you know, so I believe that chronic stress um, can definitely play a role. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you believe in diets and what kinds? I know there's a lot of recipes, a cookbook. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. You know, uh, to be real honest, I don't believe in in diets. Um, really, also for the fact that let's say somebody is pre-diabetic and they go on a diet and they reverse their pre-diabetes, which is great. But then what? You know, mm -hmm. then they go back to the old ways of eating. <laughs> <True>. You know, <laughs> True. then they end up again where they started out. So. To me, and that's, I think, why we're talking about lifestyle changes, right? This isn't just a short-term diet, but we really need to figure out a way um, to find that balance, right? Between eating healthy and enjoying ourselves and, and that then being something that we can do for the rest of our lives. It seems to me like a, a shift in perspective mm -hmm. or uh, an understanding, right? It comes from that place. Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right, right? It is a commitment and I've I've seen that with the clients I've worked with, you know, it always kind of it makes alarm bells going off in my head when they say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm sticking to the diet or I'm, you know, I'm doing this or I told my friend I'm doing this diet and you know, because that makes me think that you think this is a temporary thing, mm -hmm. you know." Um and usually then, you know, those are people that will, you know, have that, see that yo-yo effect, right? They might do well for a while and then they will, you know, gain weight again or their blood sugars will rise again. Yeah. Staying within that topic, that leads me to the topic of bio-individuality. So that's an interesting idea and that resonates true to me. Talk to me about that, Johanna. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that concept. Bioindividuality basically says that everybody is different, right? And and while our bodies, right, all function a certain way, but there's very fine nuances. And that's why, you know, we will see people, for example, that do well on a vegan diet, right? And they love it and they feel great. And then we see other people that follow a vegan diet and they feel horrible, you know? So um, so the concept of bioindividuality then says everybody needs to figure out what works best for them. And really also with the idea that everybody, you know, you know yourself best and I know myself best. And, and while it is helpful to work with a coach, you know, to, you know, bounce off ideas and, and, you know, get access to resources and somebody there to motivate you and hold you accountable, but you know yourself best. And at the end of the day, right, you know what your body needs. Um, and it's the same with, with prediabetes, you know, I mean, there are some people, for example, that, that can eat oatmeal, right, with prediabetes, and it works great for them. And then there are other people that have trouble with that a little bit, and it spikes their blood sugars a little bit, you know, so everybody needs to figure that out for themselves. Um, but, you know, to connect it back to that idea of diets, I think, if we look at different kind of diets or ways of eating, we usually look at how they're different and what, you know, separates one from the other. Oh, vegans, you don't eat any animal products. Keto, you eat a lot of meat, you know. But what we don't talk about is what do they actually have in common? And what they have in common is a high amount of vegetables, you know, a high amount of fiber. And I think this common trait is actually what is working for people, you know? Um, so that's how I like to look at that. Yeah. That makes me think about taking responsibility for our health and also self-knowledge, self-awareness. Yeah, I think you're right, right? Really, with it, whatever is going on in your body, right? Truly seeing that as your body is communicating with you. Oh, this, whatever it might be, whether it was food or, you know, movement or interactions with another person, right? This agreed with me or this did not agree with me at all. You know, the body is constantly communicating and thereby leading the way, really. We just need to listen and, and follow along. Talk to me about planning healthy eating. I know this is what your book, your work is about. So that's why you offer the recipes so we can plan our meals. I would like to know about that specific idea and also intuitive eating. How can we combine them? Mm, yeah. So I, you know, planning, I think is really important because I believe when you have a, a plan, you're more likely to make healthy choices, you know? And so if somebody is just starting out and that is hard for them, you know, making healthy choices, then having a plan, knowing this is what I'm going to eat on, on this day or for this meal, um, this is what I need to get at the grocery store, you know, just makes it easier, you know, and we don't have to think about it then that much either. 
Um, and also, you know, sometimes when we don't have a plan and we're just, you know, it's like five to five to 12, right. And we're like, okay, I'm hungry. I'm starving. Then it's much harder to make good choices. So that's why I'm saying to people, you know, get into the habit of making a weekly plan. That is really something I, I do every week. Um, and, and it's not always easy, you know, I mean, sometimes I also get into a rut or I'll ask my husband and, you know, every week he knows that question is coming. What should we eat next week? Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, he'll be like, oh, already again. <laughs> right. But it's just so helpful, you know, because then it saves you money also in the grocery store, right? Because you're not just buying random things, but you're buying specifically for certain meals. Um and really the other thing I want to tell people is also it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know. So if the idea of creating a, a meal plan for breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks for an entire week is just overwhelming, then maybe just start with one, right? Maybe you just want to start with preparing healthy breakfasts for a week, you know, until you get that down and it seems like second nature and then you can move on to something else, you know. Um, again, I think that's that idea of finding balance. It doesn't have to be an extreme from being an unhealthy eater to being a perfect eater all of a sudden, you know, but there is a lot of room in between. And I, I want people to... Um, you know, give themselves, like, treat themselves with compassion also, you know, I mean, that is a journey and um, that doesn't happen overnight. And there's some steps forward and some steps back, you know. Um, yeah. And in terms of the intuitive eating, you know, I think that, I mean, to me, what that makes me think of is that, you know, sometimes that could be that um, balance, right? Maybe one night I feel like ice cream. So I'm going to get ice cream because I know, you know, the the other meals were healthy and, you know, and for my balanced well-being, right, that's that will bring me joy right now, you know. Um, and on the other hand, I guess the other thought I have on that is to also stay flexible to a certain extent, you know, and even though you might make a plan, um, but having the flexibility to move meals around, you know, from one day to another or from breakfast to lunch or lunch to dinner, right, um, to basically stay listening to your body and seeing what your body needs in any given moment. Talk to me for a moment about organic versus conventional produce. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I mean, there there are many studies, right, that that show that pesticides, right, and and fertilizers can negatively impact. Um, you know, fruit and vegetables. And, and of course, there's some people that say, well, it's that amount is negligible, right? I think that's also something that everybody has to decide for themselves, right? And of course, that is also a decision that 
um, is driven by by a person's finances, you know, because unfortunately, many times um, organic produce is still more expensive. Um, to me, you know, I personally, I, I like to look at the, the dirty dozen list, you know, by the environmental working group. That's kind of my you know, my guiding principle, right? Those are the the 12, you know, produce items, fruit and vegetables that um, have been shown to have a lot of pesticide residue on them. Um, and they recommend that basically those type of things you, you buy organic. So that's what I try to do. However, you know, I always tell people if, if it is too expensive to buy organic, you know, then buy conventional, you know, because it, it is still going to benefit your health, right, in the long run. And it will still help your diabetes and your prediabetes in this case, you know. Um, it is more important to get in the fruit and vegetables compared to, you know, trying to avoid the, the pesticides. So, um I would say, yeah, if, if that is, you know, if somebody struggles with the finances, then, then please get conventionally grown and just clean it really well. Your recipes, they exclude sugar for obvious reasons. They are gluten-free and dairy-free. So talk to me about that and also the simple and complex carbs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, gluten and dairy is excluded, as you said, you know, gluten, a lot of products that have gluten in them, right, are tend to be simple carbs, right? Um, you know, pasta, bread, you know, flour tortillas, right? And, um, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. And so, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm excluding the gluten. Um, the, the dairy, right, um, the lactose is, is also a form of sugar, right, a, a milk sugar. And um, a lot of people are, you know, can't handle it very well. So that's why I've, you know, excluded those, those two um, groups. Um, and then, you know, simple and complex carbs, right, that's really... I think if somebody just did that, right, they would already see a big difference. And, you know, we hear a lot about, um, we hear a lot about carbs or low carb, right? And, and the problem is that then we're lumping all carbs together into one group because, you know, a lollipop counts as a carb, but so does broccoli, you know? And so one thing, right, broccoli is, is high in fiber, you know, high in phytonutrients, high in vitamins and minerals. So very, very good for the body, um, will fill you up, will, will help slow down the absorption of, of sugar, right? So it doesn't lead to um, blood sugar level spikes, but something like a lollipop or something like, you know, a a pop tart, right? Those are are simple carbs um, that will spike your your blood sugar levels, and you know doesn't sustain you, doesn't give you any energy either. Um, so I really would love for people to distinguish more between simple and complex carbs. The recipes you have and everything you talk about it sounds like this book, your work. It's for everyone. It's not just for pre-diabetics, but everyone. Yeah, 
You're right, right? I mean, my husband and I, we use those recipes, you know? Um, and, you know, we we never were pre-diabetic, as, at least not as far as we know, you know? I mean, there definitely was a time when I wasn't eating that healthy and I was eating a lot of simple carbs, you know, a lot of bread, a lot of pasta, um, and, um, and so, you know, so maybe we were, even though a doctor never said that, but, um, but yeah, we are using those recipes and, and you are right. They're really, anybody can benefit from them, you know, just for, even if it's just for a little bit of inspiration and how simple it really is to, to cook from scratch, to just use simple ingredients, um, and create delicious food. I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything? I'm trying to think. We have, you know, we've touched on so many things. Um, I mean, you know, obviously my book is about food. And I, I believe that that's, you know, if somebody has prediabetes or if somebody just wants to live healthier, I think food is the way to start, you know, it is, it can just, it impacts so many things. And, um, and while of course it, it takes, you know, a while to reverse something like prediabetes, um, but your body, right. Those little changes that you might not see overnight, they're still happening, you know, and your body will just be so grateful when you feed it and, and nourish it with, you know, with, yeah, with well-balanced meals. How do you define success these days, Johanna? What is to be successful to you? Success is really, I think to me, such a subjective, um, thing, you know, because it really depends on what your goal is, right. And what, um, what you want out of life, you know, I mean, if I'm thinking about my work, right. And trying to help people live healthier lives to me, success is, you know, when people make some changes and they get it, you know, when I can tell that the light bulb went on and they're like, Oh my God, you know, like I went from, you know, counting calories and just feeling really rigid with that and constricted to just focusing on eating more vegetables. And all of a sudden I feel like I'm in control, you know, I mean, that brings joy to my life also. And that's when I feel like as a coach, I'm, I'm successful. Mm. Yeah. I love that definition, this idea of success, right? What is another word for healing? I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind is transformation, you know, and with the idea that healing, you know, that, that you go through stages also, you know, and that there is, um, that it's a process, um, and that there might be, um, yeah, maybe different stages. Right. Um, and sometimes maybe it feels like you're going backwards, you know, and I've experienced that myself also, but that, that can still be a learning experience and that, you know, it can be valuable, you know, in that you're learning something else that maybe you weren't aware of before or um, you didn't know, you know, and so it helps transform you in a way. And then you're much more powerful, you know, to, to work towards healing. 
If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? You know, I think I, I mean, what I think I would try to do is, um, <laughs> I would get rid of my cell phone, get rid of the computer. <laughs> oh, no um, more podcasts. <laughs> for sure. That's funny. Um, just, I guess, for the fact that even though I know, you know, like in terms of also feeding my mind, right, with, with healthy thoughts and, and good energy, you know, like I'm also human and I get caught up sometimes in just mindlessly scrolling through social media. And I, I don't like that. So if I knew I just had, you know, a week to live or so, I, I would just completely stop that. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting goal. <laughs> what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of now? I think that, you know, what I truly believe is that love trumps everything, mm, you know, yeah. and um, love is, is bigger than hate. Um, light is bigger than darkness. And I think, you know, as we were discussing earlier, I think that's something we, we have to remember um, if we truly want to move forward. Um, and... Um, I, I think the other thing is, you know, something you mentioned earlier that we are part of nature and, and remembering that I think is just such a beautiful thing, um, and can be very grounding, you know, when we, uh, because to me also remembering that and, and truly looking around and observing nature around you you know, can, yeah, as I said, can be very grounding and, um, moving to a certain extent and really bring you joy. Um, and a third thing, hmm, I'm trying to think, I think, you know, that the third, you know, component that I know to be true is to, that it's important to constantly, you know, check in with yourself and, you know, make sure that you, you're on the path you want to be. And I understand obviously that it's not always easy to, you know, change everything that's not going well, but, um, that you owe it to yourself to, to try, right. If there is something, else that you want to do or something that isn't working right. And, um, yeah, so to, to be aware of that, I guess, you know, again, like being aware of that, being in tune with yourself. Um, I think that that's important and really, um, something that I'll, I'll never want to forget. Yeah. Yeah. That we should never forget all of us here. <laughs> For sure. Thank you so much for your wisdom, Johanna, your presence. Um, you are a lot of fun, spiritual fun. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been so fun. And you have challenged me with your warm up question, <laughs> <laughs> which was very different from obviously talking about food, right? But I, right. I really enjoyed it. 
So I have one more question, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, people can connect with me on my website and and that address is www.loveyourhealth.us. And, you know, on my website, there, there are links to, you know, where people can find my book. It's available on Amazon. Um, if people want to connect with me on social media um, or if they, you know, if they're interested in a coaching relationship, right, all that can be found on my website. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Johanna. And we'll talk soon. That sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Johanna Fassbender and her work, please visit loveyourhealth.us. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>